Man, can we celebrate what God is doing? Amen. Amen. That's incredible. And, and uh, how many of you enjoyed the sunny weather we've been having lately? It's been a little muggy, but we'll take it in the Pacific Northwest. The Mariners, come on, are winning a little bit. For all of you that have been faithful through the hard seasons, we're praying that it continues into a playoff run. And, and, uh, but most importantly, last weekend across Life Center, we had 22 baptisms in water. Can we celebrate that? I mean, people professing life change in Jesus, and there is nothing better than that. We so appreciate being a part of the Life Center team out in the Frederick and Spanaway area. I know for some of you that seems so far away. It's 11 miles, all right? So it's not way out there in Pierce County, but we're thankful. Uh, thank you, Pastor Tyler and Amber, for the invitation. It's been one of the great joys of our life to join and be a part of the work that Jesus is doing uh, through Life Center. Our family moved a year ago, and uh, this last year has been a big year starting a new season as a campus pastor after being a youth pastor for 16 years. And our family's been enjoying summer. This is my, my family. We have a lot of fun. Uh, me and my wife both turned 40 this year, so the only thing young about us are our kids. Um, that's all we can claim anymore, but my wife, Jenny, been married for seven years, my daughter Finley Grace, and our other daughter Ashlyn Michelle. And so there's a lot of Disney songs and dancing and uh, things that way in our house. So it's a, a fun season. Well, we're going to jump into our series like Jesus. And we've been looking at the stories and parables that Jesus told to his followers, to his disciples, answering questions from Pharisees or religious challenges. And, and Jesus wants to give us life. And not just a little bit of life, but a full life. Life to the full, as he declares in John 10.10. But not just to give us life, but to show us his way. To change the way in which we're walking and living out this journey. And he used these stories, and he was the best storyteller the world has ever seen. But these weren't just stories to entertain crowds. They were to challenge hearts to transform minds and to show his kingdom and what it was like to be on earth and, and to share his heart with us and then for us to make a decision to live his way. I love stories. When I'm together with people, I love sharing stories. I love stories that make you laugh, love stories that make you think, love stories that make you cry. And I've got a lot of stories in my life, and, and one of the ones that uh, I remember to this day is, is growing up and going into high school, and as school is starting, I had to make a decision because my high school required a performing arts credit for four years. But it only offered two options, choir or band. I am neither a singer nor a musician. And, uh, and so I had to make a choice. And so I thought the lesser of the two difficult would be band. And uh, so I chose to do band. And my dad had a trombone up in the attic. And when you opened that case, it had the red crushed velvet inside. It had that odor like it had been sitting in a case for years since he was in band class. And that became my instrument. I thought the trombone was cool. It's a big instrument. It's, it's got that brass it's got that deep sound. It's got the slide. You know, I'm like, okay, I'll become a trombone player. I quickly found out I didn't like band. <laughs> but I liked it a little bit more than the idea of joining choir, so I continued in it. In my freshman year, I was fortunate that there were two other really good trombone players, and they were sophomores. And in band, they seat you according to ability. First chair, second chair, 
third chair, and so on. And so I started in third chair, and I was completely happy there. And I began to realize sitting in the back corner, I didn't actually have to learn to play the trombone. I could just fill my cheeks with air, blow till my face turned red, and mimic their slides by looking out of the corner of my eye. And I became really good at imitating it. For three years, I imitated those trombone players. Never challenged for a second chair. I just stayed in third chair. Problem was, I forgot to think ahead that they would graduate. And so going into my senior year, first day, the teacher announces, Tyler Schaefer, you are first chair trombone. I'm in trouble. And there are two freshmen, second chair and third chair. And we go through the first day, and at the end of the first day of class, the freshman in second chair raises his hand at the end of class. He says, teacher, how do I challenge for first chair. And the teacher goes, well, at the end of class, you can raise your hand and you can challenge for first chair. His hand goes back up. I challenge first chair trombone. And just with the humble spirit, I say, he can have it. I don't want it, he can have it. But the teacher goes, that's not how this works. He hands us two sheets of paper, and we're going to have to perform a solo in the front of the class come Friday. And fear, nervousness, the sweat start coming on me, because I have four days to learn how to play the trombone. <laughs> I have four days to learn how to read music. And so every night I began trying to learn to play the trombone. Why? Because I know I'm going to have to stand in front of the class. Friday comes. Stand in front of the class and I give it all I have. And when I'm done, it's all snickers. It's all laughter. And this freshman stands up and he plays it beautifully. And the teacher goes, how many of you think Tyler won this challenge? Not one person raised their hand. I didn't even have a friend that would lie for me in that moment. And he asked this other question. How many think this freshman won this challenge? 100% of hands went up. And I was embarrassed. I was ashamed because I had been exposed. And I make my way back to my seat, the senior being embarrassed by this freshman, and I sit down in second chair. And as soon as I sit down to my left, I see third chair raise their hand. And he says, I challenge second chair. And this process happens for another week. I was so discouraged and so defeated that once I got third chair, I was staying put. You see, what happened was I went through four years of mimicking the behavior of those around me instead of developing the gift that God had placed inside of me and in my hands. And I didn't realize, and I failed to account for, that there would be a day in which what had been placed inside of me would be shown. 
and what I'd been entrusted to grow into would be exposed. And Jesus is meeting with his disciples here, and we're going to turn into uh, the book of Matthew here, and it's going to be on the screen. You can also open the app and, and look at notes. But he's preparing his disciples because what's ahead is different than what they envision. And the message uh, title for today is Don't Bury the Gift. Don't bury the gift. And we'll be in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. And, and the big idea is being like Jesus allows me to use my gifts to share in his joy. Being like Jesus allows me to use my gifts to share in his joy. And Jesus is going to tell a parable here, and he's meeting with his disciples and followers, and, and they've got ideas that he's going to overthrow the Roman government, set up an earthly kingdom. They're going to have power and authority alongside him. But he begins telling them a different story. He's talking about that he's going to have to die, and, and he gives them signs of the end times, and he talks about persecution that will come for those that put their faith and trust in him, and he talks about the tribulation, this time when, 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 when the world is going to be difficult for followers of Jesus, but he gives them hope that's saying he will return, and this is all before he's gone to the cross. He tells a couple stories of a fig tree and of some ten virgins waiting for the groom and, 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 and about this preparation for our life for the day in which we give an account before the Lord. And he's talking to his disciples about this, and we're going to turn in Matthew chapter 25 here, and I encourage you to read it along with me. It says this, For it's just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, and to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately the man who had received five talents went and put them to work and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached and presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you, see have what is yours. His master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant 
into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Parable of the talents, a story that Jesus is telling to prepare his disciples because he's about to leave earth and he's entrusting his kingdom, his way to these disciples. And and I'm sure this was a story that when they heard it, they were like, oh, this is a big deal. Because the ending has quite the turn and and we're going to get to it in a minute. But the first thing I think we need to understand is that gifts are grace. Gifts are grace. It says, for it's just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them, to the one he gave. You see, the master wasn't obligated to give his servants anything. He didn't have to. And each servant received his talents by the grace of the master. Everything you have is a gift from God. It's his grace on your life. He formed you. You may think you earned it or created it, but he's the one who put the mind and the ability inside you to do everything you've ever done. Everything is a gift, and it's a gift of grace. And everything we have from God is grace. And so this does, doesn't give us any room to be prideful, to be boastful, to think of ourselves as greater or better than we are, because it's grace. It's not what you've earned, it's what you've received. And what I've learned is many of the things that I wish I had that God has not given to me is still because of his grace. Because I may not have the ability to steward it well or the moment and the mental capacity to not become prideful because of it. And so everything I have is because of his grace and everything I do not have is because of his grace as well. You see, he gives us according to our ability as well as our capability. Your abilities are the natural gifts and talents that God has placed inside of you. The things that you can do. Your capability is partnered with the power of the Holy Spirit to use your abilities for God's glory. And so gifts are given freely, but they're not given equally. And we've learned that. There's people that are just more gifted than you. Have you ever stepped into a sports court or a sports arena and being like, they've got different gifts. They are bigger, stronger, faster. And it's just, they've worked hard, but there's something that's naturally been gifted to them that wasn't gifted to you. It says, to one he gave five talents, and to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Now a talent that he's talking about, when we hear the word talent, we think of ability, we think of giftedness, we think of the promise for the future, uh, but talent here was a weight of measure of money. It's how they measured their money was based on the weight, and, and a talent was a significant amount. A talent of money would have been equivalent to 20 years working wages. That's a significant amount. In Tacoma here, if you take the median income, that would equate to $960,000. One talent. Two talents would have been $1.8 million, and five talents would have been $4.8 million. This is no small amount of money entrusted to his servants. Do you know what I love about this scripture? There are zero no-talent servants. There is no one that the master didn't entrust with something, and what he entrusted them with was of great worth. Do you know that there are zero no-talent people in Christ? Zero. 
There are some one talent. There are some two talent. There are some five talent. But there are zero no talent. That what God has entrusted with in your life, the way he's gifted you, the way he's wired you, is of immense worth and value. You may have been told, you have made live life feeling that your talent or what you have to offer is less than others. But in your father's eyes, in your creator's eyes, what he has entrusted you with is of great value. You see, in the kingdom, some are given more and some are given less, but all are given much. We've been entrusted with the kingdom of God, the hope of the world, the only good news that transforms people and helps bring people from death to life. And some are given more responsibility. And this is sobering. I'm a pastor, and Scripture speaks clearly in James 3.1. Not many of you should become teachers, brothers, because you know that you will receive a stricter judgment. You need to be praying for your pastors. You need to be praying for Pastor Tyler and Amber and the team at this campus and Life Center because there is a greater measure of responsibility, but it doesn't diminish what God's entrusted you with. And what you've been entrusted with is still of great worth because grace comes with responsibility. It says, immediately the man who'd received five talents went and put them to work and he earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who received one talent went off, dug a hole, and hid his master's money. The master entrusts all three servants with something significant and of great worth. All three of them have an immediate response. Two take what the master has put in their hands, and they put that to work. They put the gift of God, the, what he's entrusted to them, and they put it to work, and they multiply it. The third servant takes it, lays it down, and picks up a shovel to dig a hole. And he digs that hole and he buries that talent and doesn't put it to use. You see, the grace of God and salvation is a free gift to anyone. Anyone can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you can work towards. It's something you receive. But when you receive that, salvation begins to work in you and through you. And you become a part of a worker. You receive salvation, but that gift causes a work to begin in you that begins to put your hands to work to be a kingdom builder. You see, our problem is our natural inclination is towards safety and comfort. That's our natural inclination. When you go buy a couch, what do you do? You sit in it. You want to make sure it's comfortable. When we were couch shopping at Macy's, they had these massage chairs. We sat in it, me and my wife, and we held hands. We hit the demo button. We're like, this is nice. Why? Because it was comfortable. But when you give your life to Jesus, you give your life to Jesus. And you move from being an owner of your life to a steward of that which he's entrusted to you. You see, there's many businesses that when they change ownership, they'll put out a new sign. And it'll say, under new ownership. What are they saying? You should expect something different here. The way things have been are not the way they're going to continue to be. If it's a restaurant, the food's going to taste better. The service is going to be faster. Things are changing. But so many times we don't allow the gift of God to work into us. And we sit in rows and we mimic the behavior of those around us. And we become trombone players that make it four years. 
but we don't develop what God's entrusted to us. But today I'm here to declare you're under new ownership. You're under new ownership. And because you've given your life to Jesus, there's a new way of living. You receive the fullness of his life, but then his life begins to work in you and you begin to live his way. And because you're not an owner of your life anymore, but a steward in charge of what the master has put in your care, it causes you to live differently. It changes mindsets. Well, this is the way I want to live. It's my life. I can do whatever I want. I'm just doing what makes me happy. It's my truth. To, no, I am under new ownership. I am living for the master's glory and to share in his joy. And so all the ways I use my talents to build my kingdom, to attain status and wealth and things no longer are for me, but I use my talents to build his kingdom. I'm under new ownership. This gives you new loves and new motivations, new purposes for your giftings and new joys. Life Center, the weight of what we've been entrusted with is significant. The weight of what we've been entrusted with is significant. Bringing life to Jesus to every life in our communities. That's what Jesus has entrusted us with here in Pierce County and, and, and reaching nationally and globally. He's entrusted us with his kingdom, his church. He's entrusted us with carrying the gospel, the good news, to all places in our community and to the ends of the earth. This requires us to care for the 633,000 people that are not yet connected to God. It requires us to think of how our giftings and talents under new ownership will be used by God to change that number to build his kingdom. It means we see everyone as a 10. Even if they're acting like a six, even if they talk to you like you're a five, they're a 10. As we've learned this as a team and staff, it's changed my thinking. Me and my wife were driving, we were having a conversation about someone that was being difficult in our life. And we just had to pause, remember, they're a 10. They're a 10. In Jesus' eyes, they're a 10. And so in our eyes, they're a 10 as well. It means that we care for clothing the naked and feeding the hungry. We care for the widow and orphan. We're a church community that becomes a refuge from the inequalities and injustices that are present in our community, but we say they will not be present here because Jesus reigns. It means we care for the foreigner and refugees among us. It means we stand to see the bondages of addiction broken. It means we become a place where people come in with marriages that are on a shaky foundation, but because of the hope they find in Jesus, they stand united because of the work he's doing. It means we raise up a generation Amidst of a lot of voices that are telling them who to become, but we help them discern the voice of the Lord, to know God's worth in their eyes and that they'll have the courage to follow it. And Jesus is continuing to trust Life Center to do this. He's placed his church in multiple locations in multiple languages with a reach to bring transformation. And there is no room in the kingdom of God to do nothing. There's no place for someone who calls on the name of the Lord and is saved than to sit, than to mimic, because there will be a day when you stand before God and you give an account for your life. You don't get to say, I went to Life Center. 
Pastor Tyler was my pastor. Man, when they showed the video of the orphanage and the pain, I clapped. God will look at you and say, I entrusted you with much. Did you multiply it? Did you multiply it? Did you use it for my glory to share in my joy? I just don't have time. I just don't have the availability. Man, work and family and life, like, I'm just, I'm just busy. It makes sense here and now, but those words will sound really hollow before your master. You mean you didn't have time for what was most important? You didn't have time for what I made clear in my scripture? You didn't have time. You were too busy building your kingdom. You forgot you were under new ownership, that you were no longer an owner of your life, but a steward entrusted to do the things that Jesus called us to do. I am convinced that God has placed the people and the gifts necessary in his church to accomplish through the power of the Holy Spirit and the partnership of the Holy Spirit what he wants to do. But it's going to take us not bearing our gifts and committing to multiply them. There are too many buried gifts in the church amongst the people of God. Ideas, ministries, callings that God has for you that you've hidden or ran away from. And so what gift has God placed inside of you that you're not putting to work? And you may be putting it to work for your life, but are you putting it to work for his kingdom, for his glory to share in his joy? What have you buried? And what are you sitting on? Those are questions that we should consider as we hear the story that Jesus told because the story changes. It goes from an example to a dire warning. And here's the danger of bearing the gift. The first is you misunderstand the character of God. We see this first, or this, the servant that received one talent, and this was his response. It says, the man who received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. Did the servant just call the person who entrusted him with almost a million dollars harsh? If as you were leaving today, you were handed a check for a million dollars from Life Center, you would not say this place was harsh. You would stay for the next gathering and you'd be kicking yourself that you weren't at the earlier gathering. You would have wanted to be here for all three. But he calls them harsh. And and his master's response was, I wish you would have at least left it with the bank. I wish you would have at least returned something for me. Instead, all you returned to me was what I already placed in your hands. God doesn't want us just to return what he's given us. He wants us to multiply it. The kingdom of God is not about our comfortability. It's about his expansion. It's about adding people daily, those that are being saved. The servant was also afraid to lose. His response was, so I was afraid and I went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, have what is yours. Fear is real. It's real for each and every one of us. But fear is not a valid excuse before God. It's not valid. Some of you in this room and joining us online have a call to ministry on your life. God has placed his hand and and you know it, but you've ran from it for a long time. Because you know that, that there's a great cost into stepping in. But your life and your gifts and talents partner with the Holy Spirit for his glory is where it's at. Some of you have yet to join on a missions trip. 
I don't do foreign countries. The kingdom of God does. And the kingdom of God is a sending agency. We've got a sweet lady at our Rainier campus. She's in her mid-80s. She's going to Mexico in January. Her son leads the trip. He's like, I'm nervous to take my mom, but I can't stop her. Because God has been speaking to her. And she's the Lord's. And she is excited to go. There's new ministries that God has planned within his church, but it's going to take people and their giftings saying, I'm going to multiply this gift for God's glory. There's a next generation of children and youth that need a generation that knows the voice of God, that have been faithful to service and is willing to believe in them. I got to go to kids camp for a day and thank you to each and every person that took vacation, that took time off to invest your week in those children. We saw the fruit as students were being baptized, as young elementary kids were being baptized. It's worth it. It's worth every moment. Some of your gifts are, can be used for service and hospitality, and, and there's various places. We will not run out of space to use your gifts. God won't. He has them planned for a purpose. You're like, well, I'm just kind of a one-talent person. That's a lot. But here's the beauty. You won't stay a one-talent person. Because to who, them who are faithful, he gives more. And he actually says not even more, so that they'll always have enough. You see, service is not sacrifice. Service is living for God's glory, and he replenishes into your heart and mind. So you'll always have more than enough. He was afraid to lose. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 through 11, it says this. Apostle Paul says, More than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dying, as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that somehow I will reach the resurrection from among the dead. Paul's Paul saying, it's all a loss anyways, except for that which we do for the Lord. You can build yourself a nice house here on this earth. That house will break down. Things will break. Things will rot. You can have a nice car that will rust. You can build a business and because of circumstances not of your own, the economy can change and you might find yourself in bankruptcy. Those things happen, but anything we do for the Lord remains for eternity. And that's where our gifts and abilities and those other things aren't wrong, but they become worthless apart from what God's calling us to do in our life in Him. The third danger of bearing the gift is you end up empty. His master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant, if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and I would have received money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But to the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Even what he has will be taken from him. You see, servants that bury their gifts end up empty. 
The things that we pursue in this life that are apart from God, they can't bring true joy. They can't bring everlasting joy. Some of you, for many years in your life, you've been using your gifts and talents your whole life for your success for your benefit, to build your name, recognition, and career. Yet at the end of the day, you lay your head down on your pillow and you're empty. You're empty. Because God's entrusted you with gifts, talents, and abilities, but they're not for your glory. You are under new ownership and it's to share in his joy. To share in his joy. To hear, well done, good and faithful, because there's only two outcomes at the end of this life. It's good and faithful or good for nothing. In verse 30, it says this, and throw this good for nothing servant into outer darkness where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that sounds harsh. We don't talk that way around here, Tyler. You might talk that way in Fredrickson, but that's not nice here. (laughs) These are not my words. They're Jesus' words to his followers to understand the importance of what we've been entrusted with. Does Jesus really mean good for nothing? If at the end of the day we live our life and we don't multiply the gift for his kingdom, what good has it been? What good has it been? What good has it brought to others? This is sobering. This is challenging. And this is convicting. But Jesus is serious. There's a day we will stand before God to give an account. And it's a personal account. He's not going to ask what family you came from, what background you had. He's going to say, what did you do with what I entrusted to you? Did you multiply the gift? Or did you bury it? Life Center, we're in a time and place that we can't bury the gift. And each and every one of you have something of significant value that God has placed inside of you that he wants you to use for his glory. And here's what you find. When you use your gift for the kingdom of God, it will bring far greater joy than when you use that gift for your own personal gain. I mean, there's nothing better than being part of people's changed lives. There's nothing better than sharing the hope of Jesus. There's nothing better than seeing that person that you've been praying for standing in the baptismal tank because you've chosen to use the gift that God's put inside of you and he's used it to multiply it and it's spreading and it's changing lives. So here's the call today. Here's the challenge. Don't bury your gift. Don't bury it. God's entrusted you to it and he wants you to multiply it and he wants to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Share in my joy. Share in my joy. Share in my joy. So today we have some next steps and you can pull out the connection card in front of you or you can go on the app and the first to say yes to Jesus. Some of you, you've been gifted and talented your whole life, but yet you still feel empty. And you have yet to come under new ownership. You've been doing things for your glory and your recognition and your purpose. And today, Jesus wants to give you new life in him. 
a new way of living and invite your, invite your life into his new way. Now you can use your gifts and talents for his glory. And you're no longer an owner, but a steward. And you'll find that you were made to serve, that you were made to put others first. And, and there's a joy in the partnership of the kingdom of God. For others of you, you've been faking it. You've been sitting first chair, second chair, but you don't know how to live this life. And there'll be a day when you have to give an account and you don't want to stand before the Lord and say, I was there. I was scared. I was fearful. You want to say, Lord, here's what you entrusted me with. Here's what I brought back to you. And it's multiplied. And it's multiplied. And it's multiplied. And he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Share in my joy. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the gathering today, for those that are in this room and those that are joining online. God, I thank you for the invitation to receive new life in you. God, today, and I pray for each person that's here or joining us online, and today they would like to make a commitment to you. God, you have put gifts and talents in their life, but they have yet to surrender their life to you, and you are working on their heart, and today's the day. God, I pray in this moment they would make that decision. God, for others, we're here and we've said yes to you, but we've held back from joining in on your mission. We've held back from using our talents and our resources to further your kingdom. But today we say we will no longer bury the gift of God in our life. We will move from owners to stewards. We will come under your lordship to be the people that you've called us to be, to carry out your mission that you've placed in our hearts, to expand your kingdom and to bring you joy. So I pray we'd overcome fear. I pray we'd overcome hesitation. I pray we'd overcome self-doubt. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would stand up and say, today is my day to multiply the gift that God's put in my life. And we declare our faith in you. If you're here today and, or joining us online and you would like to make that commitment to give, to give your life to Jesus, to begin that work, I invite you to pray this prayer. And as a family of Life Center, would you pray this prayer and support so no one prays this alone? Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for your gift of salvation. I receive it today. You are the Lord of my life. And I will be a steward of what you've entrusted to me. Help me to live each day for your glory and your joy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Can we celebrate with those that have made that decision? Amen. Would you stand with us today? I'm thankful for you. We are a rich church because of what God has entrusted into your care. So take the gift, use it for his glory, and multiply it. And we send you out to be the church. Because we don't just come to church, we are the church. We love you greatly.